0: Oh Lord, our God, we thank you that we are your people and you are our God that we are so blessed to live under the administration of the new covenant, that we do know that our sins are forgiven us, that we are reconciled to you, that you are our God and our Father. And Lord, we do know that. We do know you personally, intimately. But Lord, we do want to know you even more. So Lord, show us yourself. Show us your glory. And Lord, our God, we thank you that you have put into our hearts your law. And that our delight in our inner person is the law of God, the word of your truth. As we open up your Word, we pray that we may taste a new sweetness in your Word, and that we may hunger and thirst for more, and that we may be eager and keen to put your Word into practice. May we not just be hearers only, but be doers of your truth indeed eager doer of your truth help us so oh come. we are going to open up scripture and we are to dare to look to look more closely at the person of christ jesus our lord open our eyes that we may see the glory the loveliness the excellency of jesus our lord in his name we pray Amen. Well, let us go back to Mark chapter 10 verses 13 to 16 then they brought little children to him that he might touch them but the disciples would build those who brought them but when jesus saw it he was greatly displeased and said to them let the little children come to me and do not forbid them For such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The word of God tells us, God is love and the father in his love sent his son into this world for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son the apostle john in his first letter says god is love in this the love of god was manifested towards us that god is sent God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. God is love. The Father is love. And we see our Lord Jesus Christ in His flesh. He was a man of love. If we are going to read the four Gospels carefully, we are going to see that love is the leading characteristic in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. The leading emotion of our Lord Jesus is that of love. What under Girls is love. What he thinks so often is love. His whole being instead of love and we see the love of christ in the smallest things that he did tonight we're going to look at how the lord jesus christ loved little children even babies our lord jesus christ welcomed them and little children were ease with him now the scripture does say, our Lord Jesus was a man of sorrow and a with grief. But we are not to think of Jesus as a man with a long face all the time, Father me. Well, if a man had a long face all the time, children won't find it to be at ease to approach him. But what we see in the four Gospel is that children were there. As our Lord Jesus minister and children were ready at hand even to be placed in the midst of the disciples to teach them practical lessons tonight first of all we're going to look at that occasion of how parents brought uh, their infants to Jesus that he might touch them is of some interest, isn't it? That uh, all three gospels, or well, we call synoptic not the gospel, the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we caught this incident. When we look at all the three accounts together, the picture we get is this: uh, Luke 18 verse 15. The nasb brought it out where we literally, well. Uh, they were bringing, they were bringing even their babies to Jesus, and they were asking Jesus, uh, or they were desiring Jesus to touch them. So uh, parents, maybe even grandparents, they were trying to uh, press through the crowd and ask to uh, to approach Jesus. Uh, The disciples were serving as a barrier, Uh, they took themselves to be bodyguards of our Lord Jesus. Hundreds of people would be surrounding, uh, pressing around our Lord. So his parents were asking, well, let us get through. We are going to bring our uh, children, even our babies, and we want Jesus to touch these children and to bless them and to pray for them and the disciples were trying to stop them well what are you doing Uh, jesus is teaching the people you are disturbing his uh, teaching his preaching he's healing the sick you've got urgent cases children babies take them home don't disturb the meeting Don't interrupt. What's the point of Jesus touching these children? Don't be so superstitious. What is the touch? Jesus won't have time to pray for your babies. Don't argue. So, the disciples were rebuking the people, telling them all of them silly people. Uh, But they were not to be turn off like that, so they were arguing Uh, you must understand these ancient Jewish people Uh, they were quite forceful people no we must have our children to be brought to Jesus we we want him to touch touch them and so on so there was a bit of argument now and Jesus saw this happening the parents managed to to get close to Jesus. And what we are told in Mark 10 is interesting. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. Literally. When Jesus saw the disciples hindering the children in coming to him, he was angry. That was his emotion was angry that the disciples were stopping the children to come forward to him, to be touched by him, to be blessed by him and, and pray over. Him. He was angry. Isn't some, that something isn't it? Or maybe we naturally side with the disciples. Well, surely these parents are not sensible. They are disturbing the good word no no not at all jesus was angry with the disciples and he said to the disciples let the little children come to me and do not forbid them that's the command let the little children come let the babies come do not hinder them and it goes on the say, and of such is the kingdom God the kingdom of God belongs to his little children the kingdom of God is theirs and then Jesus goes on to warn the people for example Mark 10 verse 15 literally amen I say to you whoever Not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. That is a stern warning. Amen. I say to you, whoever, whoever the person may be, if he also does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, he will by no means enter it. And there's a double negative remember the double negative we mentioned this double negative in greek one negative is negative two negative is more negative it's simple isn't it not like english Uh, double negative positives were confusing to people like me coming from my background so if you don't receive the kingdom of god as a little child you will no, no, by no means, ended. and then we are told, Mark 10 verse 16, the Lord Jesus took them up in his arms, laid, hand, laid his hands on them and blessed them. You got a picture of that? Maybe hundreds of children were brought before our Lord Jesus. Why not hundreds? There were hundreds of people surrounding Jesus and uh, in those days people had many children. So our Lord Jesus took them up in his arms, I weep. So Jesus took them one by one, placed his hand on them and blessed each one of them. That took time, isn't it? uh it takes some time to take a child into your arms and touch the child and bless that child and then the next one and then the one after next just as our lord jesus christ healed the people one by one so he took his children in his arms one by one and touched them and blessed them how tender. And a fashion is our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to learn two lessons tonight. The first, first one is this. We are to receive the kingdom of God as little children. Matthew 18, verse 1. It's an interesting passage. Not a parallel account of that, but a different occasion. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples came to our Lord. They were believers. They were steeped in the Old Testament. They had this expectation of the coming of the Messiah And together with the Messiah, the Messianic Kingdom They believe our Lord Jesus Christ to be the Messiah They are serving Him And they are asking this question Who is the greatest in the Kingdom of Heaven? Undoubtedly, they were jostling for positions we want to be great we want to be preeminent in your kingdom how can we get a promotion how can we get one some years ago I was having a conversation with a a relation and he got uh, wide experience with general Baptist churches in different places and he told me something quite interesting. I, I can't check him out so this is a, just by the way but there's no reason he should not tell the truth. He said, well nowadays people don't want to be deacons in the church. They want to be directors of the church. I found that fascinating. Well I said why? We understand in Baptist churches, general Baptist churches, the deacons, they they are the big men, or women in the church. Uh, Usually, men and women as deacons in these days. Well, why would they not be like to be deacons, but directors? Well, I think uh, my relations point is that people want power. Now, understand, many churches, because of the situation, they are registered as company. We can't blame them. Uh, they are not like ours, constituted by an act of the initial world government, so we're different, we're not a company. But uh, these uh, general public churches, they are companies, and in companies, they, they, they need the directors. And you see, my religion is saying that nowadays people want to have power in the church. Power of management, power of the, the finances, the control. but they don't want to be servants. Well, could, could it be true other than those churches? But well, the disciples certainly were thinking to be. Uh, not so much directors of companies, but to be in positions of power and influence. Then it was to Matthew chapter 18. It's just interesting how the Lord Jesus was bonded to that situation. He called it a child to him. Set him in the midst of that. It's interesting he brought in a little child maybe a two-year-old three-year-old and set the child in the midst of the disciples and then he goes on to say amen i say to you unless you are converted and become as little children you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven you ask me to be great in my kingdom but I want to tell you first of all, you need to be converted. You need to become like little children. Otherwise, the double negative again, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven, let alone being great in the kingdom of heaven. The word converted there means change. But well, in our Christian language we talk about well whether one is converted or not. What we mean is it, whether the person is uh, truly born of the Spirit, born again. Here the word converted means change, the same reality. And Jesus says, you must be changed first. And become like little children before you can enter the kingdom of god maybe we can ask what does it mean by the kingdom of god you know, you read the gospels and the rest of the new testament it talks often about the kingdom of god what does it mean what does it mean well i think the easiest way to understand it, kingdom rule a kingdom of the king jesus is king under god the father the kingdom of god is god's rule over us and we are to receive god's rule over us as a gift John says in John 1 verse 12, as many as receive Christ. To them Christ gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. How do we get into God's kingdom? How do we get under the rule of God? We receive as a little child. We receive God's reign over us as a gift. It's not something we achieve. It's something that we receive. And in verse 45, Matthew 18. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever will see one little child like this in my name will see me. My dear friends, humility is a hallmark of being a Christian. Well, some years ago we have a heavenly tribe in our denomination. A certain professor from Scotland was put on trial uh, by the New South Wales General Assembly. One of my friends, he tended to be insympathetic with uh, that side of church politics, the wrong side, I should say. But then he said to us, this professor is proud so obviously, he said he, he wanted to support him but he's proud and he said a Christian should not be proud not at all but this man obviously is proud and he was proud <laughs> you could see that he despised australians are not well dressed and we got a, a qualification from the University of Edinburgh and so on. A leading hallmark of a Christian is humility. Unless we humble ourselves before the Lord, we cannot receive the kingdom of God. And you see here how much our Lord Jesus valued children well we have sunday school in our times and i think it's on the way it's no longer popular but in the 19th century you know what started off the sunday school movement is that gospel people evangelical people they were so concerned for the children the slum those children had no education they didn't they didn't know how to read and write. So they went to the slum area, gathered them together the children, taught them to read and the write and the write, and taught them Bible truth, basic morality and gospel truth. They taught them the gospel and gospel holiness. Well, that is how the Sunday school movement started. Uh, We were told it was typical in those days, that the Sunday morning service would be for believers. And then Sunday afternoon, uh, people went to the slum area, taught the children, evangelized, taught the children how to read and write and so on. And then Sunday evening, was a gospel service for the unchurched, for unbelievers. Well, that was the pattern in those days. Now coming back to our main points, we are to receive the kingdom of God as did the church. Now we're to ask, what are the points of connection between conversion and being little children suddenly our Lord Jesus does not teach that children are sinners, they are innocent it's not the point but look at what little children are like little children are naturally weak and dependent upon parents and the younger and smaller the child the more dependent is the child so we are to the sense of our own weakness the sense of dependence upon god little children naturally love to be with parents can you imagine the horror a little child is taken away from parents Uh, we heard of a case of a friend who has a child was put on board flight from shanghai to Sydney by the parents and the child did not know what was happening she was so frightened she was, she was still hurt to this very day she was being taken away from parents transported to a new place a terrible experience little children love to be with parents and we are to receive god's kingdom in the sense of we, we love to be with the lord and little children instinctively naturally trust and believe their parents is it not so the younger the child the more the child believes what the parents say and that's why we should be very careful don't lie to children don't tell children fairy tales as if they were true. Well, we were reminded in a Christmas Day message by King. that, uh, you know, Australian parents like to tell lies about Santa Claus, and how hurtful that has been. Well, not just Australian, isn't it? Uh, Chinese parenting days gone by, where their children ask them, Mom, where do I come from? And the uh, mother would say to the child, well, I picked you up in the rubbish tea. Yeah. that's terrible, isn't it? Uh, I don't know how many children believe that sort of, that sort of lie of, of mother, maybe they instinctively don't believe that. Uh, and it's easy, so easy to threaten children with punishment which we never intend to meet up. Be honest with children. You see, the point is this, little children at the best have a good sign and quiet still. Last Sunday night we sang together Psalm 131, I love the song. of David. How does it go? David says there, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely, that's interesting, I've calmed and quieted my soul like a wind child with his mother. Like a wind child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. what a quiet and gentle spirit david has in this time it's not asking god with big questions he has calmed and quieted his soul like a wind child some of us mothers here may remember you may have that experience of trying to wean a child Well, for some reason the time has come the child is to be weaned from mother's milk. And how did the child respond? Well, normally the child would fight back, isn't it? No, what are you doing, mother? I want you. I want your breast. No, this plastic bottle, don't trick me. I want your milk. I want you. So there was a big fight. Mother T is perhaps, trying to say to the child, for your good, it's, it's the time. Uh, you can't always have my milk. Well, you have to grow. And there was a fight. There was a process. Eventually, the child got a point. All right, mother, you are right. I will take a bottle. I will bow to you. Now the child is quiet it is at peace it doesn't fight anymore and that's the point my dear friends we need to become like little children we need to change we need to become flattered from our natural sinful pride to a humble trust in a savior what does it mean to believe in jesus it means this i'm not going to argue with you alone i'm not going to fight against you i'm not going to bring my big questions to you i am to bring myself entirely to you no longer having an argumentative spirit but having a child like white those side spirit that's christian conversion you know so often uh, people who are in church
1: or maybe have some
0: contact with christianity they like to ask questions about predestination or how about predestination how about the problem of evil why did God allow you? How is it fair that God should choose a people for himself before the foundation of the world? How is it fair that God should choose Jacob and not Esau? Theological questions? They argue, they fight back. It's interesting what Louisville says in his preface to Romans. He says, well, before you get the Romans chapters 9 and 11 you need to go through the first chapters you need to bring yourself under the cross and suffering no suffering first before you talk about predestination that's wisdom isn't it We cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we become like little children. And like little children, as Peter says, we are to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. It's so lovely to see newborn babies sucking mother's breasts. With eager desire, we just won't stop. Well, we are to be like we are not to be like a sickly child. A mother feed the child with milk. The child "Not mm, interested." sad, isn't it? uh, It's a trying experience. We are to be like little children, hungry and fasting for the pure milk of the world But before we move on, let me ask you first. Are you hungering and thirsting for the word of God? Do you decide to get into the word of God more? I hope so. Don't you ever say, well, um, I know the Bible. I know what it's, what it's all about. And you've got a little appetite for the Word of God. That's not healthy. That's wrong. But you say, well, I want to get to know God and His Word. I want to dig into it. The more, the better, the deeper, the better. That is the normal Christian you know. love. Are you like that, my dear friends? So the first truth we learn tonight. Where do we see the kingdom of God as little children? The second major heading, we are to love little children. Oh, that bears us in the face, is it not so? Awesome? Our Lord Jesus Christ loved little children. He loved babies. And that should be our attitude toward children though we may not have children of our own. I tried to find out the exact quote that I read of George Muller so many years ago, but I couldn't find it this afternoon. But basically, George Muller was saying, we tend to regard children as hindrance to our life. I thought that's so contemporary, isn't it? He wrote that in the 19th century. And that is the general attitude to our children. Children, what are they? The hindrance to our careers. Children are hindrance to our freedom, to our wealth, accumulation. Children will sweep our holidays children affect our preferred lifestyle and for all sorts of reasons uh, the culture is that we delay childbearing as long as we can now I must say this to clarify I do understand times are difficult and there are circumstances when uh, young people they cannot have children yet because of all kinds of concerns. But I'm talking about the eternal attitude. Children lower our living standards. And that's children. The reason uh, we live in such a rich time is because we have so few children. You don't need to be a great mathematician to know that double income with no kids means you are free and you got plenty of money and of course very costly to bring up children in some countries um, not so much in australia we got things easy but we are told in places like south korea china the cost of bringing up children is horrendous the coaching fee, the pain, and that's why South Korea has the lowest birth weight in the world. And there's a path to self-destruct. It is. And children respect our freedom to travel. I can't think of it. how difficult it is to take a nursing child for a 12-hour flight across the Atlantic or Pacific. I've even come across ministering couples that determined not to have children that they may serve God better. I wonder, is that a great sacrifice or a little selfishness? I won't judge them. But that is the general attitude. Children are hindrance. And Mullah said, that is wrong thinking. Instead of seeing children as hindrance, the Bible teaches us we are to bring children to the very presence of the Lord so much so that we should let the children to disturb the service to some extent i know we have to be sensible but friends we do not need an absolutely quiet environment for church we are not here for a show the noises of children are part of the life of a covenant family yes you bring the children to church they will disturb the service to some extent and welcome disturbance uh, you notice i always notice that children were in church to hear the whole letter of Ephes- the whole letter of ephesians where to the last chapter you know ephesians is certainly not an easy letter to understand but in the sixth chapter Paul said to the children, children, obey your parents. So the children were there, all through chapters one to five, including those great profound teaching on predestination. Oh, on a, We're naturally dead in trespasses and sins. Glory to... The children were there, how much would they understand? That's not the point. They knew they were hearing God's Word for the apostle. And now we have this unbiblical trend. The sun that comes Sunday morning is the time of the great segregation of the church. We come to church, children go to one place. There's a the children program. Maybe professional uh, children welcome parents go to another place and comes evening you have the evening service for the youth all these are not going to be there embarrassed to embarrass the youth the evening service is for the young people all these are the oldest service the great segregation many years ago a friend of mine was invited to give the sermon in the assembly communion service. And he got on this and he spoke against this untypical practice of the segregation of the church. Afterwards, he was reprimanded and accused of being divisive. Well, we are to bring children to the right presence of the lord in the service and we are the disciple children and discipline them promptly now i know some of you uh, you know professor john Murray he's certainly one of my heroes uh, but did you know that professor Murray married at the age of 69 69 he got married and the lord blessed him with two children and he died when the children were young but amongst papers they uh, will discover that he was actually trying his hand to write a children catechism well he lamented there was so little material for children we live in better days we got a lot of materials for children so many of them uh, maybe we kind of thought too many of them. Uh, disciple the children and discipline the children. Proverbs 13, 24. He will spare the rod hate his son, and he will love him, discipline him, promise oh, you. Oh, friends, know, it is so difficult to discipline children in our time. We understand the change of time we cannot discipline our children as in days gone by no, in days gone by in Sunday school the Sunday school superintendent got a cane to cane the children well that is not something we can do in our time it's getting more difficult isn't it? Even the legislation is against it. The whole culture is against it. But somehow we have to do it. And last of all, we have to pray for the rising generation. Now understand. Some of us don't have children. I may never have children. We should not say well it's not my business it is my dear friends jeremiah was a single man he was not allowed to get married even to go to wedding or funeral that sort of thing but he wept for the daughters of simon for the children of his own people our children are growing up in the most Difficult and testing time in terms of unbelief and temptations is it not so with a whole generation of young people growing up with a smartphone you know nothing better than that and now with AI and this morning I mentioned uh, AI generated boyfriend and it is for real my dear friends and there's a big advertisement in the latest time magazine it says we are the last generation that can save the planet we hear the despair of young people and children we're the last generation there's no hope there's climate anxiety and now whole bunch of psychiatry climate psychiatry counseling climate cafe our young people are in despair they're without hope because they're without god there's a serious time and we should be concerned for the rising generation For children, for children, children. I take comfort in what John Wesley says. Well, we should not be too concerned or anxious about what may happen in a hundred years. Our task is for the present. The Lord will take care of that. But I do feel for little simpler in grace, these children, most likely they are going to live to the twenty-seventh century. What will it be like? Well, maybe the Lord has come back by then. But if not, what will the world be like? Will it be worse? Will there be a mighty revival swept all through the world? We don't know. But our task today, Is to pray for the rising generation, to help them as much as we can, to discipline them, to disciple them. Well, maybe some of us, who are richer, can give away good children's books to the young ones. Can we not? Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you. That in the darkest hour, Your light still shines. When the world seems to be in utter confusion, the truth of God is standing forth. We pray that you may give us grace to hold fast to the truth, to share the truth, to promote the truth, and to pray. We pray for our rising generation we beg you that they may see better days. Lord, more than your Spirit from on high. Some of us here have been blessed since the days of our youth. Give us grace to pass on the pattern of faith. Help us to do good, to love, and to change. For Jesus' sake.